this is the hardest job ever and we're all figuring it out and nobody's perfect at it. But I do think there's a level of letting things slide with that grace that's being given by other people, which ultimately is hurting our children. You're listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. Chris and Jana are parents of three, life and business partners who share their personal development techniques so you can grow yourself and grow your marriage. Chris and Jana here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. This is episode number 44. Yes, number 44. That number 50, I don't know why. It's not like this giant milestone, but I'm getting excited to get to it. We are getting close. It also means we're, we'll have a new baby, like almost at episode 50. Oh boy. Close. Yeah. Another, yeah. <laughs> another child. And actually, that's a perfect segue into what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about kids. Yes. So here's the thing, guys. We we are constantly talking about the personal growth aspect of things, and we are trying to protect our marriages and all of those things. But one thing we really haven't dove into a lot is kids. And I would say there's an element of maybe like imposter syndrome behind that for us a little bit, because there are good things we are doing, but then there are also things we're just like, man, we have to ask ourselves some really tough questions. Absolutely. And I mean, it's a package deal. You could be growing your marriage and we're constantly talking about, you know, spouse over kids. It's important, most important to grow your marriage. But if you're forgetting, if we are forgetting collectively to also be intentional about where our kids are, whether they're toddlers, babies, or, you know, preteens, teens, whatever, whatever you've got. I mean, it's really important. It's really important to be on the same page with your spouse on what's up with your kids and to do a check-in. Sometimes I think we get to a point where we do this. We're like, well, okay, things are absolute chaos for the most part. I mean, we have a lot of young kids, but sometimes they're worse than usual. And Chris and I have to stop and be like, what the heck are we doing right now? That's how are we contributing to this? Because ultimately the little people reflect us. And even though, I mean, I don't know the last time they saw me throw myself on the floor and kick my feet and scream over probably Monday, nothing. (laughs) Okay. Maybe Monday, but you know, they, I really believe they reflect our energy and our stress levels and everything. And so it's up to us to make sure that we are, communicating about what's going on with them. Yeah. So we came up with some questions that I think, again, these are questions that usually one or two of these will hit you pretty hard and you'll be like, all right, let's, let's dive into this one. And so we wanted to share some of these questions with you guys in real time because we haven't asked each other these, um, outside of this episode just yet. And so, well, we have talked about this stuff, but just not, we have, but I think these are questions that were like, oh, yeah, good. We should talk about this. And so you ready? I mean, I'm ready. Parenting is a sensitive thing. So y'all be gentle and ready for, I mean, as usual, we're going to be vulnerable because I think our biggest thing is making sure you see that when you see those pretty little pictures of us on social media, it ain't always like that. It ain't always like that. If you were fly on the wall in our house, you would know this. Yes. Yeah. All right. So question number one, let's, let's butter ourselves up a little bit. How about that, Jonna? So let's do it. So what things are we doing well for our kids? What things are we doing well for our kids? So this can be deep or shallow. I mean, it's, it's just important to recognize because parenting is hard. And if you're listening to this or if you ever question if you're being a good parent or not, that alone to me says you are a good parent with good intentions. So that can be in regards to disciplinary. How are our kids behaving on a regular basis? Obviously, all children have their moments. So even the best behaved children, I'm sure, having have phases of tantrums and stuff. Um, or that could be relational. How What are we doing well in our relationship with our children? Are we showing them that they're loved? Are we spending time with them? Their health, how are we feeding them? How are we, are we motivating them to get, to get exercise? Not in a, not in a, you know, 
I don't know. I feel like that is sensitive for some, but in a physical way, like encouraging them to move and just love their bodies and be healthy mentally, organizationally. Are we keeping up with things in the house? That kind of stuff. Those are some examples of ways you can dive into this question. Yeah. And I'll, I'll kind of pull one out for myself. So not us collectively, but just me. So I am not like a super nurturing father. I like, I have my moments and I mean, I love, love my kids, uh, but I, I internalize a lot of stuff and I wouldn't like, I would say, unfortunately at times, even though this sounds bad and I could get judged for this, it's almost like I unintentionally keep my kids on their toes a little bit. Um, and they, they really desire time with me because I, I'm, I'm always in work mode. And so for me, relationally is difficult because at this time, at this point in time, I don't know about you guys, but the kids are young and they're young and I find myself getting a little bit selfish and thinking like, oh, well, that's okay. Like we'll be able to have meaningful conversation when they're a little bit older. We will, uh, we will be able to do things that, you know, we, we both understand how to do when we're a little bit older. And so, I mean, just yesterday, me and John were trying to make some intentional relational time for them yesterday. Uh, and we both look at each other like, how do we even play? Like, our minds are just racing. I'm thinking about work. John is thinking about, oh, wait, the kitchen's dirty. There's all these things going on. I'm thinking about the podcast because yeah. we were recording today. You were thinking about the podcast and, you know, the house. And I'm thinking about work and our, our minds are just racing. And we couldn't just sit down and like play with the kids and give them what they crave so bad. And so for me, you know, we're supposed to be buttering ourselves up. Oh, what things are we doing? Well, (laughs) (laughs) but, but I mean, I think that was a good uh, step is that we, we, you made the time in your schedule to spend some time with the family and take a break from work. And that's something that is important to me. And that I believe is a good step towards doing relationally well. I couldn't even butter myself up because I know you just dove in. I kind of did be feeling that a little bit, I mean, a little but bit. that's a part of what comes with how we were raised too. I know that your dad said the same thing that he didn't know how to connect with you guys when you were little. And you know, now you guys have a meaningful conversational deep relationship, but obviously I, I, I want that from you. You know, if we were going into the conversation of, you know, what do we need from each other? Like I want you to be, able to spend the time with them now and want to do it. But I know it's hard because we've talked about this before in, in my mom guilt episode, there's always something else to do. And even though, I mean, I hear people coming for us right now that they're most important they are, but it is really hard sometimes to stop your mind and allow yourself to play when honestly, we only get a couple minutes of play in because there's three of them and they're constantly going in different directions or fighting or whatever, something's always happening that interrupts it from being usually a positive experience. Yeah. So expectations could be like, all right, so tonight we're going to color together. And, you know, the youngest will just climb all over everyone's coloring books or like draw on herself or, you know, there's always some form of chaos whenever we have expectations that we're going to do something. And I think that's also difficult for me because I, I will say, okay, I'm going to block out, you know, two hours for the kids tonight. I'm going to stay really intentional. I'm going to put my phone away and I'm going to stay present. And even though my mind is racing and I'm staring off in a million, a million directions, thinking about what I have to do, which is terrible. Uh, what usually happens is, you know, something happens where my, the expectations are not met and it gets discouraging. It's super discouraging. So that's where Lindley gets it from. Our middle has absolute meltdowns when her expectations are not met. We're talking like she wanted to pick up her own toothbrush instead of having Chris hand it to her last night. And that started like World War Three. Yes. Um, so that was supposed to be what we're doing well. So what we <laughs> so, are. So what are we doing well? Well, what we are, well, in that area, something we are working towards doing well is putting the t- intentional time in our calendar. We haven't mastered it yet, but it, it's we're working towards it. I think something we are doing well right now is getting into a routine. Um, It's not always perfect because they're little, but we're doing bedtime well. I will pat ourselves on the back for that. We We have stayed super consistent with a bedtime routine. Uh, Back in the fall when we found out we were pregnant with number four, uh, bedtime was still just absolute 
nightmare. Um, I wanted it to be sweet and special, but it was just, it made us cry. (laughs) Chris doesn't cry, but it made me cry most nights because it was just so hard. I'm like, what are we doing? This shouldn't be so hard. So that was one of the times where we stopped and we're like, what are we doing wrong here? What can we do differently? And we put together a really solid routine that took, I mean, it was painful to implement for a while because change is never freaking easy and the kids resisted it. And, but now it's just second nature and we can still fall off the routine on the weekends. Sometimes if we have friends over or something, the kids will stay up later or watch TV later. Um, but they are so used to the routine that it's not a big deal the next day to fall back into it. I would say something else we're doing well that I'm proud of is we, we are, we are trying our best to, to keep the girls present. So yes, they'll they'll spend a couple hours watching TV during the day. Um, yes, they'll have some tablet time in the afternoon. But not for, always though. Yeah, not always. But for, for the most part, I think something we're proud of is you know, keeping them away from the screens. And like when we're with family, that they're not you know in a tablet. They're not they're not um, they're not in their own little world. Because although that's really easy to do, and I totally understand when people do that. Um, it's just something that we know long-term they need to be present with us and we need to be present with them because that screen that they're in front of is not, it's not going to serve them long-term. Yeah. So one rule we've implemented is absolutely no screens at the table. When we're eating at the table as a family, we're eating as a family. And that goes for us as a parent. We have to set that example too. Lola, our four, almost five-year-old will call us out too. Like, what we say no screens at the table, like she'll straight up look at you and be like, well, you got your phone. <laughs> so yeah. it's important that as a parent, you're setting that example as well. And, you know, we're not perfect about it. There's been time like yesterday, I had a friend who really just needed me. So while I was sitting at the dinner table, I was already done. I was responding to her and my four-year-old called me out and I, it's a humbling experience to have a four-year-old call you out, but be right. So, you know, they might be watching a movie as I'm making dinner. Cause let's face it, that's like the hardest time of the day is when you're trying to make dinner and there's three hungry kids crying at you. So absolutely. That is one time that I turn on the TV and like, go for it. Um, but as soon as I say, come to the table, it's time to eat. Our four-year-old will pause it or turn it off and come sit down. It's, it's not even a fight anymore. Yeah. And if I can kind of expand on that a little bit. So the reason we do that also is because in, I'm Here comes gonna, the nerd. I mean, a little nerd, nerd alert. right? But the reason we do that also is because when I'm when I'm coaching people to lose weight and stuff, usually I'll take them through a a, a conditioning call and kind of figure out like, hey, what were meals like as a kid? What all these things? And a lot of people who eat fast today were like, oh, we were always on the go. We were always, you know, food was never about fuel or family time. Food was about just scarf it down so we can get what we're getting. Um, and then also it'd be like, okay, we're in front of the TV. We're doing this. We're doing that. And there, there's a huge element of if you are in front of a screen or you're overstimulated in any way while you are eating, you can't be mindful of what you're eating. So your relationship with food is very different than what it would be if you were like, oh, this is my meal that I'm thankful for and I'm sitting here in community with my family. And so, you know, even though we have a big screen TV just, you know, 15 feet away from them, uh, we make them pause it while we are eating because it does encourage it's usually fighting and crying like at the table, but it does encourage some level of, you know, we are being present with each other, even if it's bad present. <laughs> <laughs> We're still trying to make that time to communicate. And look, if this is stuff you're not doing, please hear me because I just know parenting is so sensitive and this is never meant to make you feel judged because there's plenty of stuff we're not doing well. Um, Here we, that comes. <laughs> we do believe though, that these are important things for you to consider if you're not doing them. And maybe that's different in your own home. But um, the whole point in this conversation is to get your wheels turning and yours and your spouse's conversations going so that ultimately you can show up better for your kids. Yes. And if you feel like, oh, well, we should have made these moves, but we're too far gone. You just have to remember, I really believe that kids are adaptable. And so at any age, yes, it's harder to do it the older they are, I believe. And, and listen, if, if you have a six-year-old, you're an expert in our world because we don't know what it's like to have a six-year-old. But anybody before that, like 
we have experienced what we're experiencing. And I can tell you that kids are adaptable at this age. And I'm sure they're going to be adaptable later because we're adaptable. You could listen to something on this podcast or anywhere else and choose to change it. And it's it's tough, right? But we can adapt. They're resilient. And I, I just, one note on that is that another thing we do generally well, not consistently 100% because I don't think that's possible, is we're conscious about how we feed our kids not in a controlling way. And that's constantly a balance I'm trying to figure out because I had trouble with um, food and eating disorders growing up as like a teenager. And so I'm constantly towing that line of trying to figure out how do we teach our kids to enjoy and know how to eat healthily without foods being categorized as good and bad. But that's something we're working through. And um, my point in saying that is when we fall off the wagon with how we're feeding them, especially when I'm pregnant, I'm tired, things are hard, it's hard to cook all the time, whatever, um, we can fall into these slumps where they're eating not as well as we would like to see them eating. Um, but when we decide collectively, hey, we got we see this affecting them because whether we like it or not, the foods that are processed and have dyes and all this crap in them do affect them. Don't come at me and call me a Karen. It is scientific. <laughs> okay, <fact>. Karen. <laughs> it is a scientific fact. And I've seen it with my own eyes. I can almost always pinpoint, especially our oldest, when she's having more emotional breakdowns. I'm like, hmm, how have we been feeding them lately? But my point in saying all this is when we do get back on the wagon with making sure they're eating more balanced um, we see a difference in them and it doesn't take long for them to adapt. They might go for a week where they're like, won't touch their vegetables, but I still put them on their plate every time. And like our two-year-old went from picking off of her broccoli and going, ew, no broccoli every single freaking meal for like a week to now asking me for more broccoli. So they're resilient. And sometimes we have to just be the ones to, to make it happen. We can't just always be like, well, they don't like that. And I, I'm guilty of that. So I'm like, well, they don't like that. So I'm not going to put on their plate. But I remember the pediatrician told me one time, I think she said, if you put kids sometimes take like 14 to 17 times of being offered something before they'll try it. And I've seen that with my own eyes. So moral of the story is they are adaptable, put vegetables on their plate. <laughs> they are adaptable. And a quick note, a 10 second note on this is, no, we're still on the first is you, you do have to understand, like, and I, I really do believe this we do have to understand that they're not just going to magically wake up one day and be like, I want salad. I want this. I want this. I want this. And so how we are feeding them now will carry into the future. And so I, and I'm coming at you as a guy who understands nutrition and understands well, you see fitness this all and health the time and all in, this in your clients yeah. and how they ate when they were growing yes. up. Yes. Trust me on this guys. Obesity, you know, intense weight gain, bad health habits, always always are inherited. Always. 95% of people who are obese, their kids are obese. 95% of people who have who have specific health issues that are food-based, their kids develop the same thing because kids inherit what we do. And I know that hurts a little bit because there are things that, there are things that you know, our, our kids are inheriting from us right now that we're like, ah, we have to change too. But Overall, it's like we, we, we kind of have to put ourselves on the back burner for a hot second here and be like, wait, like we definitely have to make these changes. Parenting is a very humbling experience if you let it be. And at the end of the day, yes, this is hard to hear. It's always hard to hear because we already carry that weight of, am I going to mess my kid up? So when you hear something like this, if you're in that position and there's a million other things that we're doing that we're like, that we have to be aware of too. But when you hear something like this, it's easy to want to just put the defense up and, and, and block it out. But we're hoping you'll hear this as information that you can put your pride aside for a second and realize, okay, wow, I didn't realize that this, I didn't even think about the fact that this would carry on to my child in their future. And if you're somebody who struggles with food, like I just said how I struggled with disordered eating for at least a decade of my life, it's a, it's a, it should be something you realize that you don't want to pass on to your kids. You know how hard that is to deal with. So even if you've already created these kinds of habits, just know that you're not alone and you can reverse it. They are adaptable 
and you are not being judged. We are trying to help you. Yes. Amen. Amen. All right. Next question. <laughs> oh, boy. It's going to be a long oh, That was like 15 minutes. That's okay. Okay. 20 minutes. What things are we not doing that we should be doing or wish we were? I, I'm going to take the wish we were and just say, what things are we not should. doing that we should be? Um, I struggle in all areas with consistency. It is so hard for me to remain consistent with things. I don't know if it's my personality or the fact that I have a lot of things I'm juggling at once, but I see myself. Okay. I'll give you an example. Our oldest lately has been acting out a lot. She's got a smart mouth. I feel like we already have a teenager. And the difference though, is she will listen to Chris on the first time. She will not listen to me until I threaten her multiple times. And I'm realizing that's because I am not being consistent with how I discipline her because, and I can make all the excuses in the world. It's freaking hard. It's hard. I'm constantly doing things. I'm constantly dealing with other kids and to be going back and forth with her all day is tough. So yeah, I mean, I am the first to admit I'm having trouble with that, um, but I need to suck it up and be consistent because then I think it'll make it easy. Just like with the sleep routine, it's going to suck at first, but it, it'll make it easier once she realizes that mommy don't play. I mean, she knows I don't play, but she'll, she pushes me way more than she pushes you. Yes, definitely. Well, consistency across the board. Like I think something I heard from a parenting expert that was really powerful is she's like, look, you have to understand if you are doing the same thing with your kid over and over again, it's ingraining that in their brain. But once, once, you know, once your kid says, oh, I want to do this, you know, and and you give in when it's not the right decision, that's always going to be in the back of their mind until you until you overpower that with consistency again. And so if we are wishy-washy on things, then they're never going to find that sense of consistency because they'll always know in the back of their mind, oh, wait, I A got that time. once. And I, they're made to push buttons, especially at this age. They want to test. They're supposed to test boundaries to figure out life. <laughs> but yeah, Chris, you, I, I blame you for putting that persistency in our kids because you said you used to do that to your mom. Oh, you I could get whatever you, I wanted from my mom. Because you I just wanted. would push because we're so burnt out and tired and we've yes. got other kids to deal with that. Yeah, kids figured out real quick that if you just push enough, we're just like, screw it here, take it. Yeah, like my parents did not have money and I would just pester, 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 pester at the store and just like mess with her and like, we don't have money, we don't have money, we don't have money and still get the toy. And Ooh, you looking know back, I'm just like, oh, I'm such a jerk. I want to go back to what we're doing well. We, <laughs> our kids are good at the store. <laughs> That's something we do well. We never started. Uh, That's right. They know that. They have no idea that. Yeah that they can actually get candy at the checkout. <laughs> Literally, they have no Don't clue. come at me. We ain't caring. That's just one thing we chose from the beginning that yeah. I'm not starting this. They don't They don't throw. I think one time I had to carry Lola out throwing a tantrum. Other than that, I mean, I usually would rather go to the store with them than be home because they're well-behaved at the store. Yes. Now let's go back to what we suck at. What yeah, we suck at sucking. right now is what we should be doing is finding a way to like okay so for instance we're exhausted and it's really easy to say okay yeah we'll we'll go to Mimi's house for a little bit well so Lola our oldest she's having a very difficult time coming home from there so anytime she does something fun she's tripping she's mm -hmm. absolutely freaking out so so uh, this isn't a in public thing this is a when she's somewhere fun and she used to not ever be like that and no. so now so now we have to find a way to um, to take, you know, we have to find a way to create a strategy that is like, look, like you have to understand we're going to go over here. And if you freak out, we are, you know, you're going to lose this or or something's going to happen uh, where we can't do this again because this is a problem. Which is a punishment for us. Like, I think that's one of the hardest things to figure out in parenting is sometimes when you have to some, sometimes the right thing to do for your kids is the hardest thing on oh, you dude, preach. And that's something that is just, it's like when you're burnt out, it's so easy to do what's actually wrong for your kids. So like Chris said, I need to sometimes just be like, okay, you're not behaving when you go down there. We're not going to go down there today, not keeping her from going to her Mimi's house. But that's just one example of 
I've still sent her down there even when I've threatened to take it away because it was a break for me. And at the end of the day, that's not teaching her the right thing because I had already threatened to say, hey, you're not going to go to Mimi's if you act like that. Yes. and this, But I didn't want to punish myself. This goes back to, and I'm serious, if you think parenting's easy, you are freaking not doing it right. Like, I promise you. It is so hard. There is nothing easy about it. Even though we are consistent with bedtime and stuff, it's still hard. It still sucks. Oh, there's plenty of nights where we would rather just let them, you know, they ask probably every night because on the weekend, sometimes we'll do what we call a special night where we'll make a pallet in the loft or in our room and we'll let them watch a movie and, you know, we don't force them to go to bed. And honestly, that's not actually easier because they end up staying up a lot later, but sometimes it's easier in our minds because we're like, oh, got to go do baths and brush teeth and fight them to get in their jammies and read yes. a book. And, you know, it takes quite a bit of time with three kids. One more thing I I think we should be doing, and you're probably going to disagree with me, oh, geez. is I don't love that, you know, we have an open door policy for our kids to sleep with us because it's exhausting during the day. We're drained all day. Um, because of the chaos and that needs to be our domain. I really believe it. And some people could be like, no, 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 no. We need that emotional connection with our kids. That'll end. That'll end. And that's fine. You do you. I'm just saying like for us with going on four kids here in just a matter of a couple months, that needs to be our domain to get away. That needs to be our domain. Like I am waking up early. You are waking up early and I can't be kicked off the bed every single night. I can't be, you know, woken up five times with little feet in my ribs. I don't know. I think you deserve it because I'm getting woken up five times with little feet inside of my body. I'm just saying, I would like to create a little bit more of like on a special night. Fine. Special night. Cool. But during the week, I think there needs to be something where it's like, no, 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 not an open door policy. Now, am I saying, you know, storms when you're scared and stuff? Of course not. Like those are all special circumstances. Because here, this is where I combat you with that because we have three little kids and most people, you know, if you have one child and they're like four years old, you're probably like, what the heck? I snuggle my child all the time. And I don't get to have that individual time with them as much because there's so many of them. And so at night, I have no problem with, I don't want them sleeping in our bed every night. I don't want them starting out in our bed. I think that we've done really good at creating consistency and making sure they sleep in their own beds. But I don't know. I This is somewhere that where we a long don't time. agree because when they come in in the middle of the night, it's usually because they're scared. Or with Lena, our two-year-old, I kind of have a system with her. I'll go back in. She usually sleeps through the night, but sometimes she wakes up. She goes in spurts and If she's laying down while crying, I just pat her back to sleep. But if she's standing up, I know that it's going to be such a long time. And I'm exhausted too. So I just bring her into the bed with us because I know she'll sleep through the night then. Well, my my other point to this is if we both worked, you know, nine to fives or even like nine to 7 p.m. or something like that, and we didn't get enough quality time with our kids or enough time with our kids in general, I would be like a little more lenient on that. But for me, I feel like the reason you're so exhausted and you judge yourself in parenting is because you're with the kids double, triple time of what other people are, you know? And so a stay at home mom in general, from what I've realized from us seeing both sides of the equation here, a stay at home mom is with their kids far more um, during the day. And so obviously, cause there's an eight hour window, you're at work if you're working. And so I just think we're already with them for a long time, even though it's not super quality, but it's been very draining. And I know you could look at me like, oh, Chris is a jerk. He's not nurturing. But I'm just saying, I feel like that needs to be our domain. And then once it is, or even before that, of course, we should be making more intentional time during the day to make sure that they feel that love and connection. Okay. Well, then I'll make a deal with you. Let's make it a nicer room. Let me get some money first. I want to paint it. I need curtains. <laughs> well, the other thing is in, in literally two or less months, we're going to have another uh, an infant in there. So it's not going to be our domain again for a while. This yeah. is what happens when you on air bring stuff up that right. we haven't talked about in a Let's while. Let's just move on. Maybe this isn't relevant for everybody. No, that'll trigger something for you though. Yeah. Next question. If nothing changes, where will our kids end up? Oh. So that can be... You know, if you listen to the last episode, I talked about the tough questions that are gut punchers and they're hard to talk about in the moment. But 
But if you if they're there anyways, if it's the elephant in the room and you don't talk about it or even just reveal it to yourself, maybe maybe this is you're listening by yourself and you can come to a lot of these conclusions on your own because we all feel it. And this isn't meant to make us feel more convicted because I know personally mom guilt is absolutely it can be debilitating. I'm sure dad guilt is too. Um we also need to not be giving ourselves so much grace that it's hurting our children in the long run. Oh my goodness. That was deep. Well, it's true because, you know, I sometimes feel guilty about things and even you will, will give me so much grace and you're like, look, this, that they're hard, whatever. You know, there's a lot of movement out there for people, for women, empowering other women, which I love to not have the mom guilt. And there's a lot of funny videos and memes out there about just letting your kids do this, 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 whatever, that might not be great for them. And that's good because I do need, I do think that you have to know that this is the hardest job ever and we're all figuring it out and nobody's perfect at it. But I do think there's a level of letting things slide with that grace that's being given by other people, which ultimately is hurting our children. Yes, I agree with you. And I'll take grace a step further. When I give you grace, it is because you are in no way, shape or form giving yourself constructive feedback. You are just bashing yourself into the ground. And so when our kid is tripping and then you, you know, fall into my arms and you're upset um, that the kid's tripping because you're a bad mom, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. chill, chill, chill. Like give, give me some constructive feedback. Uh, I'm sorry, give yourself some constructive feedback. Um, grace comes in, I believe when you're like, okay, this strategy isn't working, but what's the solution when you're like, this strategy isn't working. I'm a failure. I've failed my child. How could that ever serve you? That's true. Our own, our own negative self-talk can be just so hard though. Cause throughout the day, and I talked about this, um, I think it's episode 28, the mom guilt episode, Throughout the day, I walk through the house and I'm constant. And so I think of it this way. I'm juggling plates. Okay. I would say balls, but stuff's breaking and shattering everywhere. Balls don't usually do that. So I feel like I'm juggling plates all day long. There's so many different plates in my hands. And throughout the day, I walk through the house constantly seeing evidence of the plates I've dropped. And so even if I'm not consciously saying, you're a bad mom, you're a failure, you're a bad housekeeper, those things are making me feel that way and are reminding me of all the areas that I can't keep up with. So I think that's why usually a freak out or something is like the last straw that makes me just collapse. (laughs) But um, so anyways, back to if nothing changes, where will our kids end up? I mean, if I, if, if we don't get better about being on the same page with discipline and fig- just figuring out they're still little. So that is somewhere I give myself grace a little bit is that we're trying to figure out all of our kids are so little, but they're so close in age, but they each need a different form of discipline. So it's not like when you have one child where you can kind of navigate that. And they're polar opposite humans. That's what I mean. Like with one kid, you can kind of navigate it and you learn and you can kind of figure out what's best for that kid and then implement it. But while I'm trying to, figure out if timeouts work for Lola. I've got two other ones tearing down the house or patting on me or, you know, I don't have a lot of time to focus on just that one personality. I'm trying to handle three personalities at once with different ages, but all close enough. You know what I mean? So um, I give ourselves a little grace because we're trying to figure it out. But if I just continue to be wishy-washy in the discipline area, for me personally, I believe Lola's going to be a handful even more than she already is right now because she's this is vulnerable if things keep going the way they are and things don't change with our oldest who is forming into what what we are seeing she could potentially become more than others obviously she will be a mean girl she will be a bully and and which but that we're is not, not okay. teaching her that no, we teach her to we, be kind but she's not been, teaching her that but she's bullying her sister she's been being me- really mean to our three-year-old and she's just a very dominant figure when when there's eight kids in the room she is like in the top two she's always typical oldest yeah. kid personality yeah. for sure and so like i don't want my kid to be a mean girl or no. a bully yeah exactly i don't know where that's coming from and so if if we don't change what we're doing with her at least i'm worried about that and I, i'm also worried about just and I know all kids are self-centered, but and all of us are by nature, but I'm also worried about an intense self-centeredness because again, when the kids are polar opposite, 
you can tell our middle, hey, listen, you can't have four of those when the other girls don't have any of them. And she's like, oh, okay. And Lola doesn't get it. She's like, but, but I want them. But I want four. I'm like, yeah, but no one else has any. Like, there are four muffins. Like, I want four muffins. Like, <laughs> wait, wait a second, you know? But on that the flip side, she, she is very intelligent and does have a very so loving smart. nature with the youngest sister. And I believe with the new baby, she's going to be really good. I think her and Lindley are just so close in age. And she tells me all the time, it's really hard being a big sister. And it's true. I mean, that's the other thing is, yes, she is a kid. And I think some of this is just kid nature that we have to figure out how to combat. But that's something I have to remind myself too, is she's a big sister to almost three younger people and she's not even quite five yet. And so she's, I think a lot of her acting out is for attention. I mean, I'm sure you've heard it before. Kids, kids want your attention, obviously. And if they don't get it in positive ways, they're going to find a way to get it. So for the past few years, I've been so caught up, you know, trying to navigate little sisters because they are crazy compared to her that I think she feels put on the back burner sometimes. Yeah. And that already segues us into this, into this next question. We've been covering it now. It's, do we have any concerns with our kids as individuals? And so, like I said, all the kids are polar opposites. So Lola is on the track. If nothing changes to be a mean girl, that is a bully. And that I, is I don't want to claim that over her. No, 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 no. I mean, she's, she's we don't te- we... on the path and I don't like that. And you don't like that. And we're going to make yeah. sure it doesn't happen. Um, the next one. And then Lindley is, is just, She's just obsessed with expectations. She's like right? zero to a hundred. Yeah. And so that's a problem. That's very extreme. Well, she's always had that kind of personality. And and just to address, because right now we're talking specifically our kids, but maybe you've seen this before. We've had times when she was younger where we had concerns over if maybe she had some kind of um, maybe like a sensory processing disorder or something, which I think she's actually grown out of. Um, so I think that's just shows you that kids go through phases, but they were concerns that we had to address because we saw things in her like the zero to a hundred over things that made no sense. And now she gets older and can express herself. We're realizing that's just her personality. She has expectations. And if it's not met, she doesn't understand. But um, I just think it's important to discuss that with your spouse, what, what your concerns are. Yes. Our, for example, our youngest I see why babe, they always say the baby, the family gets away with everything because you're so exhausted from taking care of the other two. And she's so cute. And they're so cute that you let them get away with things. And I will say I'm guilty of that. Lena, our two-year-old. She's definitely a jerk. Oh, my gosh. She <laughs> she just like, she, we always call her. So she's like the funniest kid I've ever met. She's so, she just wants to make people laugh. But she also likes to get a rise out of people. So constantly all day long, she is irritating her sisters. Anything she can do to get a rise out of them, run, take their stuff, run and eat their food. Like Chris said earlier, they're coloring. She's going to stand on their coloring books. She's going to knock over their blocks and she just laughs. She's mm-hmm. crazy, but it's so, hard to get mad at her because she's cute. <laughs> she is cute. So to get more specific with, um, do we have any concerns for our kids as individuals? I remember when I was a kid. So my my parents always told me we raise you all differently because you're different, and it didn't make sense to me. It wasn't fair. It's so, not fair when you're. Kid, so, yeah. for instance, we'd go out on Halloween. Um, we didn't trick or treat, but um, that's a separate I I story that, that that Jonna makes fun of us for. No, I don't. Because we now went I to get like it. we went to like church things, or whatever. But anyway, so um, so we'd get a bunch of candy, and my twin sister, who exact same age, right? My parents would give her the candy, but with me, they would have to siphon me the candy. Um, whenever they wanted me to have it because they knew I had more of an addictive personality than my sister. And so my sister could have the same bag of candy for literally in, until the next Halloween because she wasn't you know, obsessed with candy. But you would um, eat it like in a day. <laughs> right. And then, but then there were rules for her on the other end. Like, you know, hey, you can't be in your room all day. But if I was in my room all day, it wasn't a concern for one day because that's not how it was. So it's just like, we have to realize what things and how we have to raise our kids differently. Um, and so like concerns as individuals, I think, I think we can naturally see even from a young age, like, mm-hmm. Ooh, this person's more prone to being addicted or obsessive. Um, you know, Lola's more prone to control than the other girls. Like, yeah. so like, how can is- we think of those things within the framework of who our kids are? 
yeah, just as you were saying that, that got my mind turning on, we could probably allow Lola to have her candy and just tell her when she can have it. Cause even though she's a control freak, she also is a rule follower. Um, but and Lindley, Lindley would, would binge on it all. Lindley is crazy like you with food, with sweets. Yes. So just another question to get your wheels turning on. Is there area of concern with any of your children? Um, next, I like this one. And it's something that sometimes we just don't think about because life is crazy and it's easy to just get into the motion. Um, do we have as parents a collective vision for our kids? And I don't mean planning their life like here's what they're going to do for their career and here's who they will marry and here's how we'll set that up. But I mean a vision for them. What kind of people are we raising and how are we making sure that we are implementing the morals and the values and the life experiences that will mold them into the kind of human beings we want them to be. And to your point, I think something that's important to bring up is we should not be living vicariously through our kids Mm -mm. because that's a big mistake, I think, because you see, you know, if you wanted to be a doctor, but you want a doctor and you want your kid to be a doctor, what if your kid doesn't want to be a doctor, right? right? (laughs) What if, what if you are, what if you are saying like, oh, well, you need a 401k and you want this and you need this and you need this. All these things are good, right? But we shouldn't force something on our kids uh, that we wanted and we didn't attain or or it took us so long to attain because we think we're doing them a favor. But overall, I mean, like Gary Vaynerchuk is a huge guy in the entrepreneur world and he constantly has conversations with people who are forced into go to college, do this, do that, you know, basically plan your life to die. Um, and these people are miserable. I mean, miserable. And so we should never live vicariously through our kids like oh you're gonna play sports because i wanted to play sports yeah i wish i would have done that so i'm gonna make sure that you do it and the thing is times are changing we are raising kids right now in a time period that's completely different than where we were raised and so i think the things the vision that we need to have for them has to be the things that are timeless like values and morals and spiritual growth and and being just kind successful, not successful in like monetary, but in humans that see the value of time and life and family and giving and contribution and that kind of stuff, seeing that the world doesn't revolve around them. Good Lord. I feel like just by looking at social media right now, everybody is being raised to think that it's all about them and it's just not. And that's something I need our kids to know. Yes, that is very true. And I think to simplify this, uh, at, at least when I was growing up, so one of the things I look back on now that that my dad in specific did was he would say, you know, look, I'm going to teach you right and I'm going to teach you wrong. And by the end of this thing, when you're old enough to move out, you're going to decide which path you want to take. And he would make it very evident, this is wrong and this is right. And so if we can really separate those things and make them very obvious and make it like not a thing like, oh, I wasn't sure if that was right or wrong. If our kids know right from wrong and then we are an example of what is right i mean we're pretty much setting them up for success and when it comes to vision i feel like it's not like okay you're going to be on this road and you're going to drive this fast and you're right. going to go to this destination it's like okay here's a couple roads i'd like to push you toward this road and i'm going to give you a little nudge we're equipping them with and the show tools you why. yeah and you know when you're saying that i mean we've said this plenty of times on here before we're christian so you know, that's, I feel like that's how God is with us. He gives us free will. He gives us, he is an example of what is right. And he gives us the choice to make those decisions. And so I think we kind of emulate that to our kids. And that, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because we can't teach our kids to be somebody that we're not. So you can't be like, Hey, you can't do that. And then you turn around and do it at least not in front of them. I ate ice cream in the middle of the day yesterday before dinner, but I didn't do it in front of them. So, <laughs> but meanwhile, they asked for ice cream like, like twenty minutes later. I'm like, so they sensed it. Like shocked. Like you can't have ice cream before dinner. No. Hilarious. Yeah, I was. I'm pregnant. That's my right. uh, my excuse for being hypocrite yesterday. But oh, go ahead. Well, I feel compelled to say this, uh, and hopefully this isn't off topic of the vision, but. I feel like when we are teaching our kids and living by example and stuff, we also have to realize as time goes on and I'm, I'm future pacing us right now because we don't know how to raise kids older than five. As time goes on, we have to understand like curiosity is just part of this, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to shout out a client of mine who I think is an amazing mom. She is 
a single mother and her kids are in their teens yes, now. I yes, that. Heather. I, I just love her to death. And, you know, she explained something to me about what was going on with one of her kids the other day. And um, was just like, man, this is hard. And she explained to me like what she told him and everything. I was like, can you like start a podcast? Because I was like, honestly, that's such a great method because her overall method was this. Look, I'm not happy about this. This, just, this doesn't mean this defines you. You're not a bad person. And you just made a bad decision. The, you just made a bad decision. And the most important thing here, though, the most important thing to understand is that she constantly wants to keep the open communication with him. Because once you close the communication off with your kid, I'm future pacing, I believe, is if if Lola goes and does something wrong or even even something really wrong, right? I never want to be like, shame on you, shame on you. We'd never do this. I want to be like, look, I get curiosity. Right. But here you need to understand if you feel like you're being tempted by this, that, or the other, come to us. Talk to us. Like, we're not going to like ridicule you. We want the open communication. So I think that circles back to the very beginning of this conversation, though, and tells me to like tell you even that's why right now being present and being open for their little things is so important. I saw a quote like that one time like, if you, aren't open to your kids with little things that are important to them. Now they're not going to come to you with big things when they're older because their sister taking their toy from them is a big thing to them right now. You know, Ooh, that, that just hit me a little I bit know. because if we're future pacing here, you're right. Because what I do now is I know things aren't a big deal, but John constantly reminds me, no, it's a big deal to them, but I, I blow it off. And so maybe I'm not that convicted. Ooh, you it, it really did because I feel like, I know, like, when they're freaking out, John's always like, how do you get over it so fast? I'm like, I just think, like, they have such a long life. They'll be fine in, like, an hour, you know? And she's in the moment with them, being empathetic. And I'm not very good at empathy at all. But see, doesn't that show you now, though, if we continue, like we just asked, if we continue on that pace, will they feel like they can come to you as a teenager? They'll come to you, but not me. Yeah. At this point. Wow. See, this is why I like having these conversations on on air live recording because it brings up natural things that might come up in your conversation. So yeah, but I mean, I think you're on the right track and you're saying we're future pacing ourselves here. We have to keep that open, which means though we have to put our phones down now and look at them when they're talking to us. It sounds weird when somebody says like respect your child, but we have to, they can't learn it if we're not demonstrating it. So that's something we need to do better at as well. (laughs) Your face. Dang. Dang. I I just think this is good, though. I think this is good to talk about. I hope this is getting your wheels moving. I think I've literally said that like five times. But sometimes it's like simple, simple conversation starters or simple questions that once you ask them, you're like, like, why didn't I think to bring that up? Or, you know, why hasn't that crossed my mind before? So let's go into... um, like, I feel like this ties well into the vision for our kids. So even though we're not pushing them to be doctors and pushing them to be athletes and all these things, and we're trying to help them, you know, uh, expand their world and, and, and just, just be happy overall, I guess if you were to fast forward time, what you would hope your kid would turn out as. So not the career, but the person, because there's plenty of people, there's plenty of people. And I can tell you this qualified that I know plenty of people who have plenty of money and great health and they're miserable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and then like, cause that's not what yeah, ultimately fulfills that, us. That is not ultimately what fulfills us. And so, but I also know people who had great money, who had great health, treated it wrong, um, you know, distance themselves from relationships and then realize, holy crap, it's not about this at all. They still have the same money, still have the same everything, but now they're putting everything into their relationships and they're happy, happy, right? And so, and so my my question based off of this is what's the evidence that our kids will be okay is not a good enough word, but what what is the evidence that our kids will be? happy and fulfilled and purposeful in their Good lives. members contributing to the society. Yeah. There's <laughs> enough sassholes in the world. Like Ooh. we're trying to sit here and, and create kids that are the difference kids that are not bullies kid, you know, which is frustrating to say what we said in the last question, but kids that are kids that are going to lift others up and impact others and stuff. Just so ultimately be a light. Th- 
they're not just going to turn into that overnight. No. And they're not going to turn into it without us being self-aware ourselves of how they see us treating each other and how they see us treating others. Honestly, you think about how you learned any habits or any, a lot of your personality traits, probably you can pinpoint which parent or what point in life you, you picked that up. You always can. You always can. You know, so I think that's why self-awareness is so important in raising children because they're picking up stuff. So something, for example, I don't like to yell at my kids, but I sometimes I just snap because it's loud and like I feel like that's the only way I can get their attention or, you know, whatever. But but I have seen our oldest yelling in the exact tone, saying the exact words that I've said to the little ones, and it breaks my heart to see it. It's like as if if somebody had a recorder, a recorder, if somebody like videoed me doing that, I would be mortified. And that's how I feel when I see her taking that behavior that I'm doing. So my point is think about all the things your parents said for you to do, and then think about the things that they did that you mock. You know what I mean? Well, we see, we, we, we imitate more than we hear, you know what I mean? Kids. Yes. I don't think it covers the evidence our kids will be X, Y, Z, but I will say that this is an important question. We're going to just like pop in here. So I love what you just said there because here's maybe the most powerful thing all episode. And it's what are we doing right now that our kids will likely carry over? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so, so important. So again, when I'm on these calls with people, I ask them, hey, you know, what in what ways did you grow up that served you? Mm-hmm. You know, and then we we talk about that and then we figure out, okay, how did how did you carry that over? You know, like what do you do now that carries up? Well, you know, it served me because we valued family. And now I just I make sure that I'm valuing family and we have dinner at the table and all like good things, right? And then in what ways? Were you conditioned that did not serve you? Yeah. And then the list is just like boom, 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 boom. And it's stuff that you might know subconsciously, and but carry it until over. you speak it out, you're like, wow, my childhood, even if you have like like generally good feelings about your childhood, you still carry over bad habits because your parents, my parents, us as parents, everybody makes mistakes. Like this is this parenting is freaking hard. So I think that is a good thing to realize is that they're they're watching us. They're watching us. And that's why that's part of the reason why it's so important for Chris and I to have a good marriage. So when we say spouse over kids, we're not saying we're selfish. We brought these kids in the world and they'll figure it out. We're saying we're teaching them how to be in a relationship. We're teaching them how to be in a marriage. So we need to be a marriage and individuals and a couple worth imitating. Well, and it comes full circle. It's like, what level of discipline are we, are we, you know, conditioning our kids to that they're going to carry over to their kids? Because if our kids are little sassholes and they grow up as sassholes, their kids are going to be sassholes. Like, right. It just freaking is what it is, right? Like nothing's just going to magically change overnight. If we have a bad strategy, it's not going to be like, well, I guess hopefully, well, I guess the hope of having a good strategy will make it happen. No, it won't. Hope you know, is not an re- action Relationally, plan. what are we conditioning our kids to? that they're going to carry over and then carry over for them. Health-wise, what are we conditioning our kids to that they're going to carry over? Like if you don't value your health and your kid doesn't value his or her health right now, what makes us think that our kids are going to grow up and just want to be healthy (laughs) and want to be healthy? Or not have issues with it. That's the thing. And we talked about this in another episode too, is like we want to just make eating well or balanced and exercise a normal part of our kids' childhood. So when they grow up, it's not this constant push-pull. They don't want our girls to ever see eating healthy or exercise as a discipline for their body, but just a normal part of life. Yes. So I'm going to give you an example of one of my clients, an, an unnamed client, but this person I started out with and I started giving them um, exercise, obviously, and she was just like, no, like uh, she was, she was combating it all the time. Like she, she wouldn't show up to the gym. She wouldn't do what she was supposed to. And I was like, what's going on? We got into this call and I realized that growing up, she had an overweight father, a very, very overweight father who made her 
walk on the treadmill at a certain pace, a certain incline for a certain amount of time, right? Um, every day, right? And so, and so her her dad would sit there and eat bad food while she did this. And so she That's had a like terrible yeah. relationship. Like, don't ever put me on the treadmill. Don't ever put me on the treadmill. And then I realized, who she cannot be on the treadmill. The association with a treadmill right now is not health. The association is like really going back to those things punishment. and realizing and punishment. Exactly. So that's exactly what it was. Exercise was punishment for her, right? While she had a hypocritical father mm. telling her to do this and constantly judging her for the decision she was making, eating and all that stuff. And so it messed with her relationship with food, with everything. I'm just like, wow. That is such a good example of being the person that you want your kids to be like that is just like right there yeah. that sums that sums it up yeah yeah so so now we can dive into this question evidence evidence our kids will be something right so if i want my kids to be healthy have a healthy relationship if i want my kids to have you know healthy discipline levels and you know i want my kids to to you know do well have 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 good grades, good health, all of these things. What is the evidence now that, that we're working towards? That, that we're working towards that. And yeah. it doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you're trying to do better. Because I will call out that my client again, Heather, she's amazing. She is, she's trying to get her health in a better place. But meanwhile, the whole time, while you wouldn't say, like, okay, ev everything is healthy and perfect, she's working towards it every single day day and our kids see that and now yeah. they're valuing that i think that's so important yeah that's so important there has to be like i said earlier there has to be a balance between self-awareness and grace like you you don't need to be critical over every little thing because at the end of the day we're all human and this is a learning process chances are you've never been a parent to the age you are a parent to now so this is all a learning process or obviously you've never been the age yourself you have now we're constantly that's why growth is so important because we are constantly we should be constantly changing and evolving so we got to find that balance i just want to make sure i i reiterate that because i know it's so easy to hear something like this if you're already feeling down on yourself for your parenting and just take it and internalize it and beat yourself up do not do that we're all learning that's why, though, it's important to make a list of where are you doing well? What is your kid doing well that is evidence that you are showing up for them, you know? And and even if you can't make a very long list right now, like it's not too late. Wouldn't you rather start now than to let them turn into an adult that, frankly, is not somebody that you thought your child would grow up to be, you know, and then yes. have those regrets? Because I think that regret is going to be a lot deeper and a lot more painful to get over because honestly, once they're adults, they're kind of yes. on their own. They're not going to be as influenced by you anymore. Exactly. And I love that you said that you're right because I tend to miss that piece of the puzzle sometimes. Like, yes, empathetic people, one. Need, people need to understand it's not about beating yourself up. It's about constructively saying, wait a second, this doesn't make sense. This isn't adding up. So when we talk about the evidence, we have to understand that, that if I'll give health for an example, if you have a person in your office and they're like, well, I'm super healthy, but they walk in every day with a McDonald's, you know, breakfast and they, and they scour through the break room and eat all the sweets all the time. You're like, the heck you are. You're not healthy, right? You're lying to yourself. And our brain does the same thing. It causes delusion in our mind when we are saying we are doing one thing and our actions are not congruent with our words. And so if you're like, oh, well, I want my kid to be this or 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 your kid says, mommy, I'm going to be in the NBA, but they never play basketball and they spend all their time playing video games. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, yeah, we got to like, stop encouraging our kids that they're going to be something that they're not working towards. Exactly. So, the blue ribbon, everybody gets so the, what's the evidence? mentality. So what's the evidence right now that you can see in the vision that you want to nudge your kid towards in the future? It's like, well, that, it, there you go. If your kid loves this, like let's start them on this early or, or explore things or whatever. But overall, it's just important that we're not like, oh, well, yeah, they're going to be rich and successful and happy and have great relationships. And it's like, if they're doing nothing to work towards that right now. There's no evidence their brain and you, and we are lying. 
Well, yeah. And if you, again, back to you, if you're not being that example, you're their normal. You're what they know. So your level of income or your level of generosity or your level of kindness or whatever that level is, is as far as they'll go. Oh, dude, preach that. Yes. Oh, okay. I'll preach. Because I'm telling you, we have to realize we can only take our kids as far as we take ourselves. Yep. We can only take our kids as far as we take ourselves in any way, shape, or form. I mean, seriously, like our kids have to be conditioned to go above us by somebody else who's above us or ourselves. That is it. And I'm telling you, this is the evidence I get from these calls with people is if somebody changed their health, let's say, let's say someone had a parent who was drastically unhealthy and they were, they were unhealthy, but not like their parent, then the way they got that way was either by saying, Ooh, I don't want to do that because that was an example of what not to be. Or they had an uncle or an aunt or somebody that came in their life Mm -hmm. that influenced them. And we really dive into that person and what that person lived like. And those are the good traits they have. Everything is inherited. Which is also a good reason to make sure the people that your kids are around, the people that you're spending time with are also people who bring something positive to the table for them or something they see you know, that's like goes back to the whole like you become like the five people you spend the most time with. So that's a whole other thing that we could dive into. And we know we have already taken up a lot of your time, but we hope that this is good so far. Good yeah. For you. Yeah. So quick recap and then we'll go through the last question. That is the last question, isn't it? No. Um, so what things are we doing well for our kids around discipline, relational health, mental health? Um as a family, how we're organized, right, right. systems. What things are we not doing that we should be? You know, it, if nothing changes, where will our kids end up? So vision-wise, do we have any concerns with our kids as individuals? Do we have a collective vision for their lives? Again, not who they'll grow up to marry and career and all that, but who they're becoming as people. What evidence are our kids showing right now that they will be what we hope or they hope they will be? And the final question is what evidence is there that we are parenting together and on the same page? Because once again, they're watching what we're doing. And if we are undermining each other or if we are parenting differently, if they know they can go to dad for something and they can't for mom or you know, they can get away with certain things, then we're not parenting together. So where is the evidence that we're parenting together? And there's a crying kid at the oh, door. Let her in. All right. I would. I want to build on this question first. Okay. So I'll, I'll just say my point real fast. We've been doing this in the morning and that's why now the baby's awake and confused. Um, hold on, baby. So the evidence that we are parenting together in my mind is that our kids know Lena, say hi to the people. Okay. Our kids know that they cannot go to, they can't play us against one another. They know that we're a team and that if mommy says no, daddy's going to say no and vice versa. So that's evidence for me that we're doing this together. Yes, together. And then I'll say the reason this question is powerful to me, because you're probably like, well, that was kind of, hmm." yeah, that's an okay question. The reason it's powerful for me is because each parent brings something to the table, right? Yeah. So if, my kids just had Jonna. They wouldn't have the the piece of the puzzle that I bring to the table, right? If our kids just had me, I can tell you, they wouldn't have the empathy and the nurturing that they need, right? I don't necessarily know what I'm bringing that you're not bringing that I can say, boom, but I'm just you're saying. You're better at systems and discipline than I am. You're better at the future thinking. Consistency, yeah. deeper, deeper um, deeper, I guess, conversations that I, I want to deeper values. I want to instill in them that you also do, but like, I feel like I always want to go deep, you know? And so, yeah, you do. Oh, jeez. What? <laughs> you didn't have to take that. <laughs> well, you, that was whew, okay. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so, so I just really feel like, um, you know, each parent brings something different to the table. And so if we are really trying to do all we can for our kid. We have to understand like, man, what do you bring to the table? What do I bring to the table? And how can we make sure our kids get the best of both worlds? True. Well, Lena is going to insist that we wrap this up because she's 
wants she to will. talk. Yes. So get the recap. What are you doing well? What are you and your spouse no. doing well? What things are you not doing? If nothing changes in those areas, where will your kids be end up? Will end up because obviously, like we say all the time, if nothing changes, nothing's changing. Are there any concerns? <laughs> are there any? Chris just tried to put a pacifier in my mouth instead of the thinking. child's mouth. It's early. Do we have any concerns with our kids as individuals? Do we have vision for them? And what's the evidence they'll turn out well and that we're parenting together? Yeah. So there it is, man. A ton to unpack there that we hopefully unpacked for you. And I know this is a long episode, but yeah. Yeah. So if this gets your conversation going, if this makes you feel like it'll take your parenting and your relationship in general to the next level, go ahead and share it. We really, really just want to get this message out there. You're not alone in this journey. And um, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Thanks, guys. <laughs>